Welcome to The Public Good, a weekly radio show and podcast brought to you by Partnership for the Public Good. Each week, we discuss important issues affecting the Buffalo Niagara region, from community benefits agreements to the foster care system to arts initiatives. Our guests span from PPG partners, elected officials, community leaders, and more. Our show is produced by Central Smith of WUFO, Power 96.5 FM, and Mix 1080 AM, with production support by me, Anna Blotto, research associate at PPG. The episode airs live on WUFO on Tuesdays at 10.30 AM. Hello and welcome to The Public Good. This is Deja James from Partnership for the Public Good, or PPG, which unites over 365 community organizations working to build a better Buffalo. We're delighted to join you every Tuesday at 10.30 a.m. on Power 96.5 FM and Mix 1080 a.m. You can also watch live video of every show on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash ppgbuffalo. Don't forget to follow PPG on Facebook and Twitter. And of course, you can always get great information on our website ppgbuffalo.org now to my favorite part where i can actually get to our guests our guests today are robin jordan just buffalo writing center director and kira vanderbeck and theo bellavia frank youth ambassadors from just buffalo literary center i appreciate you all for taking the time to be here and discuss the beautiful work that i just read the ground beneath our feet made in collaboration i believe with ujima theater about climate justice we recently had ujima theater actually as guests on the show to discuss their production Colored Water, which was also about an involving kind of climate justice. But they also mentioned their Dunbar Youth Theater Arts program. So I'm really excited to be able to kind of thread the needle and connect the works of, of both of those programs. But first, I would love for you all to just introduce yourselves quickly, where you come from, and the work that you do. I'm the one who wants to go first. <laughs> you want me to go first? I can go first. So yeah. um, my name is Robin Jordan. I'm the direct uh, writing center director at Just Buffalo. Um, and I've been doing that for about, well, working in the, the writing center there for about 10 years now. And I am from the suburbs of Chicago, but I've lived in Buffalo for probably about 12, 13 years. Mm-hmm. And I'm a poet and inpatient visual collage artist with poor fine motor skills and (laughs) a teacher um and yeah that's who i am Hmm. hi i'm theo um i've been youth ambassador since what 2018 so maybe about half the time that you've been at just buffalo um and i was uh, born and raised here in buffalo i'm gonna be shipping off to middletown connecticut a couple months Oh, for college? Yes, for college. Where are you going? Uh, Wesleyan University. Congratulations. Thank you. Of course. Um, I'm Kira Vanderbeck. Um, I've been with Just Buffalo since I was like 12 years old. And um, like I remember I saw Robin for the first time and she's just um, such a light. And Just Buffalo is, um, is such a good organization just to find yourself and grow as a person. Mm. And I'm just curious, you're both very young, but clearly you've been writing already for years. So when did you start writing? What made you what made you want to do that? Has it just did it come naturally to you? Did somebody introduce it to you? Did you start at school? How did you start writing? 
Well, like my mom, when I was younger, she was um, kind of a jerk to me with like all my <laughs> like things that I did. Like, like you know, like you have your picture and like your mom's usually like, oh, it's so sweet, it's so nice. But like my mom was like, that is crap, Kira. Um, so, but, <laughs> but one time um, I came down and I had written like this short story like about my friend who was a weirdo. And it was like, it was like a whole thing. And she was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And then um, like I knew that it actually was good because it was coming from my mom. So, and then after that, like I really loved writing because I wanted to like impress her. And also I just like had stories that were coming out of from me. Wow. And how, how, how young were you then? Like 10, I think. That's amazing. That's awesome. What about you, Thea? Yeah. So, I mean, I have memories of being a little kid and loving, like, I don't think I ever didn't love writing. I yeah. Think I, uh, you know, as a little kid writing those, like, elementary school essays, yeah. uh, my teachers would always mention how my hooks, right, the very beginning where I get to captivate the audience was really good, and then the rest kind of just fell off. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I got a little older, I started writing just some silly, like, prose, you know, the starts of novels with my friends, and then the beginning of sixth grade, I met a friend who was really into poetry, and I started writing with him, and I didn't realize that he, like the rest of his interest, was going to give that up in two months. But uh, by that point, I was too far in, and I right. just kept writing. And just Buffalo has uh, kept me on track in those times when I've wanted to give it up. That's really awesome. And how how young are youth that come to the writing center? How young are they coming in? And and how do you kind of help them keep up with their their <laughs> hobby there? Um, so we serve youth 12 to 18, mm-hmm. so they can be, you know, from any, any range every once in a while, you know, there'll be a, a 12 year old who's probably 11, but, yeah. you know, <laughs> sneaking in with a fake ID, which is fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and, and honestly, it's, it's a free program mm-hmm. and it's open to any youth in Buffalo and sometimes beyond. We have some virtual stuff now, so we have students zooming in especially during COVID from Chicago, from Jamaica. but I think a lot of times the youth self-select themselves. Like mm-hmm. they, they, it takes a special type of kid to be like, hey, I want to go to a after-school creative writing center um, yeah. and to get the, the energy and to get the ride or to take the bus over. Um, yeah. So we do try to do outreach and try to find young people who think, or might, they might not even know they're writers yet. We've had a lot of youth that come through that are creative and yeah. interested in the arts or looking for community um, to meet kids outside of their own school. Yeah. Um, and then by the time they leave, they're poets and songwriters and comic artists and novelists and and all of that. And is this a year-long program, or is it mostly in the summers, or does it kind of change schedule a little bit during the school year? How does that part work? It fluctuates, um, but we mainly run during the school year, so Mm -hmm. like late September through June, and it's every Tuesday, Thursday generally um, from 3.30 to 6. And then in the summer, we've, you know, every once in a while we'll do a summer camp or some summer workshops and different sessions, Um, but we kind of ramp things down a bit, and then but otherwise, during the school year, we're, we're there pretty much consistently. That's awesome. And after, you know, kids are in the program, 
do they get to kind of read their works or is there like a showcase of some sort or do you do like kind of intermittent places where they're able to kind of publicly read or is it really just for them to privately develop their skills? Um, yeah, we, one of my huge passions is providing young people platforms to share their work, mm -hmm. um, whether that's on the stage or page, but I'll let Kira and Theo, maybe you can talk about what are some opportunities to share your work that you've had. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I really love performing poetry, which is funny because a lot of my poetry has nuance that will never be gotten across by reading, uh, but I am still uh, in, so invested in trying to get it out there and get it read. Mm. Um, but there have been so many options, and I think Just Buffalo really brought out that love for performance, and I remember um, we just had the showcase where everybody who is like graduating out of the program gets to read some of their work and they had this slideshow beforehand and there were a couple pictures of me mm -hmm. at my first ever reading where I was 12 <laughs> and I still only wrote rhyming poetry and I was so nervous and I hated some of the lines so much that I just omitted them and the rhyme scheme just <laughs> stopped working altogether. Oh, no. <laughs> um, but I feel like I've grown from there because now I can read whole poems yeah. um, on stage. And there are just so many options that are there if you look forward to get your work published, get it read. Uh, we do wordplay every year where students from local schools and uh, just Buffalo students get to get their work published. And like I said, there's that uh, showcase at the end of the year for seniors. And it really just, it. Uh, and now that I'm kind of out, uh, start to enter the real world and trying to get my poetry published in non-Just Buffalo publications. <laughs> it's really shocking me just how easy and natural it was to get my work out there. That's really awesome. How do you feel, Kira, about the opportunities you've had to um, showcase? Well, I absolutely hate reading poems <laughs> and like talking and doing things like this because I get super anxious. But yeah. like it's... Um, being in Just Buffalo has been really good for me because I've really grown as a person. Um, like, I still don't particularly like reading poems and stuff, but, like, mm. it's it's a cool experience when, pe like, when, like, the audience actually, like, really likes your poem and you get it across well. Yeah. Um, and also, like, I live far away from Buffalo, so I, like, a lot of times I come with, I come with my family and they get, like, I get to hang out with them and like have um, cool experiences. Like one time my little sister who's 10, she came to the writing center and that was really like, it's it's just really cool how like how open and welcoming the writing center is. That's really awesome. And, and you both have brought up something really interesting, how there's a little bit of a difference between like reading your poem out loud and like kind of letting folks read it themselves and digest it. So I'm wondering if you think about that when you're writing about how somebody's kind of going to digest your poem, whether it be you reading it to them or them reading it off the page. And if you have like a preference one way or the other, do you prefer people to kind of like interpret for themselves your poem or do you like to interpret your poem for others? Yeah, so it's interesting because you can show me any one of my poems and I'll be able to tell you if I meant that to be read out loud or mm -hmm. read silently. Mm -hmm. um, I guess read or listened to um, because there's such a stylistic difference. Um, but I think that's part of the issue I have, honestly, with reading it out loud mm -hmm. is because there are just all these little changes, right? Like, uh, right, homophones, right? Uh, words that have like different meanings mm -hmm. and little nuances that can be taken different ways. Yeah. That you can't really get across when you're reading it. Yeah. But 
I enjoy it so much just because there's so much emotion yeah. and so much richness that you can get there that you just can't get uh, when it's read. And I do typically in the middle of writing, like as soon as I like kind of get out of the fog of writing and I'm able to take a step back for a second and edit, I kind of start thinking, right, what, what, how is the audience going to interpret this? How are they going to read this? Mm-hmm. And it's just really, uh, I think it's really interesting. It adds a lot of depth to the work. Absolutely. Do you have a preference? Do you, well, you said you don't really like reading out loud, so. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I mean, a lot of the times why I don't like reading my poems out loud is because they're like so deeply personal. Like even, even poems that like seem like they're about something else. Like I usually tie in like what, what I was going through in my own life. And so it's just like, I never, I never really plan to like, have my poems out there i just like just buffalo provides the opportunity to have my poems out there and then it's like oh people are gonna know about all my thoughts that's not cool (laughs) (laughs) but how useful is that to be able to get your internal thoughts onto a page in that way like do you think it's therapeutic do you think it helps you a lot yeah yeah i mean i think a lot of our listeners and people Sometimes they feel like the arts are just for certain people or you need to just be talented or a certain thing. And I'm you both are incredibly talented, obviously. But I think that anybody could really benefit from trying to write. And Robin, I'm sure you agree on why you want people to come to the writing center, because it's really an outlet for people, especially nowadays with a lot of folks and me, myself included, having social anxiety or suffering with other kind of personal disorders and social disorders to be able to have an outlet like that to to communicate their feelings. So how, how important is that too, to be able to communicate your feelings in that way? Yeah, well, I definitely have poems that are like therapeutic poems in mm-hmm. my mind. I don't think I'd want to get them published anywhere. I don't think they're particularly yeah. artistic, but they feel really good to write. Yeah. Um, and there's just something about being able to, and of course there are plenty of poems that I've written for therapeutic reasons that I've then turned into artistic publishable poems. Yeah. But I think what's really therapeutic about it is kind of you get to take the emotion mm. at face value. You get to analyze it as deeply as you can, like mm-hmm. you analyze any poem topic. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of get to disguise it under a couple layers of metaphor. And you kind of get to find the beauty in something that isn't that beautiful, I've always said, um, mm-hmm. maybe a little too... Uh, ostentatiously that the poet's job is to always be falling in love with the world and i feel like it kind of helps you fall in love with the things that hurt you a little bit and i've never i now that i say that out loud it kind of sounds negative but i think it's a really really positive thing yeah no i think it it gets you out of that negative headspace right because i think we can often get stuck in that dark place and so being able that sounds beautiful to be able to turn that darkness into something more positive so that you're able to either work through it or work past it um so that's awesome it's a great skill for both of you to have this young i'll say that i think there's adults that still don't really know how to do that whatsoever or have any type of outlet where they feel like they're doing that at all and so i just want to emphasize for listeners how important the arts can be 
um, whether it be writing, whether it be, you know, like Robin said, you do kind of pictorial collage type of art or multimedia art or different things of that nature. I think that that's amazing. I personally like to DJ myself and I feel mm -hmm. like it's that's my personal outlet. But I think everybody has to find their thing. Right. Um, so I think this is awesome. We're talking about this here. Um, Robin, I do just want to get into why we're here, which is the ground beneath our feet. Um, and I want to ask you a little bit about what that is, how it came to be. Um, and did the youth come up with this? Because clearly you guys have your own thoughts and kind of it doesn't seem like Robin has to direct you guys much at all. Um, <laughs> but how, how did this kind of come together? Um, yeah, so it was a pretty long project. Mm -hmm. um, so bear with me yeah, <laughs> as I tell its story. Yeah. Um, so like you had mentioned, um, we work with a lot of different partners in the community that know we have these young poets and young writers and they'll say, hey, like, let's collaborate or we're looking for some youth writing to showcase at another event. And so Ujima has this beautiful Dunbar youth theater project. Um, and so these are young people that are learning sort of the, the performing performing arts, so mm -hmm. acting and dance. And um, so they, a few years ago, wanted to start a project called Water in the Desert, where we asked young people to sort of think about different issues going on in the world, their thoughts about the concept of hope. And, um, and then we did another iteration that this project came out from which was thinking asking young people to think about climate justice mm -hmm. and um that's something that naturally throughout the years i've seen young people want to write about a lot um so i always want to make sure that if we say yes to a project it's something that i've seen the the youth that we work with gravitate to yeah. and knowing how often i'd seen our young people get involved with those issues whether they would work at Massachusetts Avenue Project or um, just kind of write about it. Mm -hmm. So the idea was basically that um, we would work with the, the folks over at the Dunbar Project and we did a series of workshops. One was led by a past um, uh, education director, I actually don't know her title, but Maria mm -hmm. Ta, who used to work there, mm -hmm. she led um, one of the sessions. And then we had a youth ambassador, Liam, lead another writing session where we just kind of wrote about um, our, they, they wrote about their thoughts on the climate and, and climate justice. Mm -hmm. And so we sort of generated this beautiful collection of writing that ultimately became The Ground Beneath Our Feet, um, which is a collection of of writing on climate justice. And then their young performers um, actually chose some of the pieces and last summer had a performance where they memorized them. And so we had teens that didn't write the poems performing teens by, or performing poems by the teens in our program, um, which was a really cool, exciting collaboration. And so we all went and got to watch and it was awesome to see the young poets watch these other teens perform their work um, on the stage. Mm -hmm. And so then we just kind of kept working on the collection. Um, one of our youth ambassadors, Sophie, um, was in charge of designing the entire collection um, and sort of doing the editing and, and ordering. 
and then um, we wanted to to do a final celebration, and we had the opportunity also to work with the local. Or she used to be local, um, but has moved since. Erin Sharkey, who is an author who put together an, an anthology on Black nature writing called um, "The Darker A Darker Wilderness," mm-hmm. and so she was going to come into town. And so we wanted. She's such an amazing um, activist and, and writer. Um, an organizer and teacher and so we had her come and she basically led another workshop sort of on inspired by her collection um, that brought in the youth from the Dunbar project and also youth from Massachusetts Avenue project and then our youth so we had about 20 youth work with her Mm -hmm. Um, and so we did one more writing session and then we had a collective amazing meal from Sunshine Vegan Eats which is an amazing black owned vegan restaurant yeah um, and then we had a community reading. And so Erin Sharkey read from her collection, our youth read from The Ground Beneath Our Feet, mm-hmm. and again, the Dunbar youth performed some of our youth's pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we also got to hear from Massachusetts Avenue Project and their youth about what's going on locally to get involved with things happening in, in our town around climate and food justice and accessibility. Yeah, that's awesome. And just that's amazing that we're talking about that especially in terms of the youth perspective of climate justice right because i think the older folks who have been in charge of kind of climate justice initiatives for the longest time have been the ones dropping the ball and i think the youth are the ones sounding the alarm of like hey this is our future i know you guys kind of don't care but this is affecting us so i'm curious theo and kira how how you felt how you felt about this um going through this project working on this because i've read your poems and the others in there, and they were very kind of emotional in, in the sense of like, we're trying to stay hopeful, but this is seems very dark, right? And so how important is that kind of staying hopeful, being youth facing kind of these climate changes that really we're seeing this is one of the hottest summers on record globally. Um, how does that feel living through that and kind of being a youth trying to plan for your future? You're going off to college, Theo. You're like, they're trying to make you worry about adult stuff and yet the world's burning, right? So how do, how does that make you feel? What, how are you guys coping kind of with, with that? I'm just curious. Yeah, well, it's interesting because I know Robin said that we as youth read a lot of climate poetry. I don't. I mm. well, I do, but it doesn't look like climate poetry because yeah. my take has always been that climate change isn't about the climate. It's about every other injustice, mm. right? It's all these other injustices that feed into it. So, mm. right, so many economic poems that I've written about yeah. um, have are inevitably about climate change, but you won't see any of that language. And so uh, what I did in the It's Hachayim, the poem um, that's in the collection, yeah. is the idea was, right, how can I take the emotion of this, which, right, um, essentially the perspective I took is, if we fail as well, we fail mm-hmm. to take any action, mm-hmm. what would I want to say to another generation? If I was in the shoes of the past generation mm-hmm. that, you know, really uh, hasn't made much significant progress towards abating climate change. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's tragic because part of me is like, there are so many other problems that I wish I could mm-hmm. devote attention to and make my work, but it's hard to think about all these other problems mm-hmm. when 
we're seeing our world burn in front of us. Yeah. Um, it's really kind of, in my mind, uh, and again, I think this is me trying to love all these dark things, but I think yeah. it's a testament to a lot of our kind of hubris and vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is beautiful in a very, very sad way. It is the do- the downfall of humans, right? I think we're very cocky and presumptuous about kind of some of the efforts we've taken to advance civilization, but we're hurting ourselves in the end in the way that we're doing it. But folks don't really want to kind of sacrifice the convenience that we have. Um, it's interesting as like the UPS workers are thinking about going on strike and some of those other things to think about what kind of sacrifices we would have to make to to make things different, right? To make things better for us all. Um, and it's a lot to think about. And I think that's why people avoid thinking about it. Um, but I love that you guys are so young and you actually are willing to face it and talk about it. So I'm curious, Kira, just your perspective on, on talking about it, if it's difficult for you or what you feel. I don't know. It's, um, sometimes it's hard to think about cause like, I just, I feel so small. Cause like, mm-hmm. um, sometimes like I'll go on walks and I'll just like pick up trash, like the whole walk. And yeah. like, I just, I know that that's not going to do anything in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. And like, um, like, like you were saying, like, um, there, there needs to be a big change that everybody, um, like facilitates yeah. and, um, like it's, it's just like, I want to do so much and I I don't really know how like ever like when I was um when I was younger me and my friends we would have like climate change protests and mm-hmm. and it, it wasn't even a protest it was three of us just sitting outside and nobody knew about it but <laughs> we thought we were doing something good you kind of were in your own way <laughs> yeah I think, I think it's powerful that you're thinking about it at all right because I think I don't I think if I asked my mom or even my grandfather if they were thinking about that at that age, they'd say no. Right. And so um, some people feel like millennials and mostly Gen Z are like the activist generations. Right. Like we really care about things that are very serious and that some folks feel like we shouldn't be thinking about it all. Like we should have a little bit more fun, which was kind of in your poem a little bit. Theo was like, I want you to be able to enjoy prom and think about these other things that, you know, regular teenagers are supposed to think about. But at the same time, if we don't address these things, nothing will change. I'm wondering if you guys think that if it's true, if younger people like yourselves are more activist kind of minded, or if you think that we are more conscious, or do you find that there's some of your peers that, kind of don't care and you're a little like frustrated about that i mean i think it's a little silly to say oh we're the activist generation Mm -hmm. i think we're just young Mm -hmm. like what were the boomers doing during the vietnam war they were protesting right right, and they were kids they were our age and they were protesting right and just because they're um not of that age anymore i don't think um means that they're not activistic i think Mm -hmm. and i think a lot of them are still activistic Mm -hmm. um and I think part of it is like, right, the same way there's no ethical consumption under capitalism, there's no ethical existence mm-hmm. under climate change. Mm-hmm. And I'm starting to come face to face with that, like, um, little things. Like, I, you know, I'm looking to see if I could get a car. And it's mm-hmm. just like, there's a part of me that goes, oh, well, I can never get a diesel car. I can never get a hybrid, right? I'm not going to contribute to this. But then you think about everything else you do that contributes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there was... Um, that one man who I'm, I'm forgetting his name right now, mm. but that he uh, went, I believe it was a year, without doing anything that contributed to climate change at all. He wouldn't stand in front of automatic doors 
in grocery stores. He would wait for somebody else to go through so he could go through after them and not wait for electricity. (laughs) Okay. Um, And it's just like, but it's ridiculous. The amount of lengths you have to go to to not contribute to climate change. Like, Mm. the point of that is that it was a protest. It was a statement Mm -hmm. of the absurdity of the world we have where everything is rooted in killing the world for our convenience. Right. And I think that's, I think that's the point, right? And that's what, at least with me and my friends, when we talk about climate change, it's like, it's not an individualistic problem, right? It's like really these systems that we've created, like, like you said, it's about all the other injustices that feed into why this is a thing. Um, And there are larger systems that we've created for human convenience that are really just making us all small cogs in a larger system of destroying the earth, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's up to ExxonMobil and all of the oil companies and whoever. I mean, even clothing places like Shein and other things are being shown to kind of not be ethically or, you know, economically sustainable uh, for the for the world. And so I think it I think it's about us as individuals taking a stand in a certain way. Obviously, we can strike, we can protest, we cannot buy things. But I think it's also important for us to be kind of civically and politically engaged in trying to change larger systems. And I know it's really like discouraging because it seems like we're not going to affect anything, especially on the federal or, you know, international level sometimes. But if enough of us become kind of climate conscious and have youth like yourselves who care about stuff like this, I think it'd be I just think I think it's awesome. And I think this conversation is hopeful. That's kind of where I'm trying to kind of go here with that is I think this is a hopeful conversation. I think it's awesome that you two participated in this and that you were able to come here and talk a little bit more. Kira, I don't know. I think Theo had a little bit of a chance to talk about his poem, but I don't know if there's anything specifically your poem that you wanted to get across that you'd like to highlight here of of just your perspective on climate change and everything like that. Um, so when I wrote this poem, I was also like struggling with an eating disorder really badly. Mm. And I, this was kind of like my call for help. Like I was really anxious about the climate. Like I didn't know what to do. And I was also like not eating. And I like, I felt like I, I kind of drew a parallel between those two things. Mm -hmm. Um, and like, it's, it's like a deep, it's it's, like a very personal poem to me for that reason. And, um, like, I feel like climate change is like is kind of like someone having an eating disorder and like being being at the point of um like almost needing hospitalization mm-hmm. hospitalization mm-hmm. um and um like we need to help like mm-hmm. we need to um we need to listen to the climate's call for help that's really that's really deep because it's not about just the deterioration of the earth but like ourselves right so that's really uh, that's you're strong for sharing that a lot of people go through things like that and i think that that's amazing that you can get that across in your in your work to give hope to others and kind of put it into something constructive and and healing yourself right and as we try to heal the earth at large i'm getting a little off with timing here so i hope we're not over but robin i just want to see just summing up everything how can people get involved with just buffalo literary center what kind of things you have coming up and and how people can get involved awesome thank you um so yeah you can follow us on social media at just buffalo lit um we also you can you know stay tuned in our website just buffalo.org mm-hmm. and um 
We'll be opening the Writing Center back up in September for the school year, and we'll be open every Tuesday, Thursday. And in the meantime, this summer, we have the Silo City Reading Series down at Silo City, um, which is not youth programming, but um, some of the other programming that we do in town. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I'd say those are probably the best ways to stay tuned. And also awesome. just thank you all so much for the work that you do and for for having us here. I think it's really empowering when we have these conversations about climate justice and other, you know, justice issues, especially with young people, is mm -hmm. to show them, like, how can you connect your art and creative writing with these things that you care about? Um, so being able to talk about them in the community and, and to connect it, to connect youth to local resources and local organizations that are doing sort of the on the ground work, awesome. I think is really beautiful. All right. Well, thank you all for being here. Thank you so much for sharing. I know art and poetry can be very, very personal. So thank you so much. This is Deja James with Partnership for the Public Good or PPG, uniting over 365 organizations working to build a better Buffalo. It's the Public Good Tuesdays at 1030 a.m. on Power 96.5 FM and Mix 1080 a.m.